Hello and welcome to the Slow Home Podcast, a show that looks at the why, what and how of living slow in a fast world. I am your host, Brooke McCallery, and I am joined, as always, by Benjamin McCallery, my husband and co-host. Thank you very much. <laughs> You'll hear more of me today because today's episode is a hostful. It is a hostful. So for those new to the show, this is the episode where we've asked questions of our listeners to write in on any single topic. Nothing is off limits. <laughs> no, we've nothing had, is off limits. We've had some doozies this week. Uh, we have, actually. There's some great questions that, uh, yeah. as always, great questions that we're going to answer. I'm going to struggle with something like the Privacy Act on these questions. What do you mean? I don't know, like giving examples, and it's going to be hard for me not to name names. Okay. But I'm going to try because, uh, yeah, it could get quite awkward, especially for those that still listen to the podcast. <laughs> okay. I'm intrigued. Uh, isn't it? Let's get into it. All right. Okay, our first question comes through, and I always struggle reading these, so I am just going to read verbatim. Okay. Okay, so I always try and add things you in. You do. But it never You, do, you try and ad-lib people's well, questions, yeah, like, like you I put yourself and, in their position. Yeah, and I'm just going to read it. This one's from uh, Shani. Thank you, Shani. Had a thought last night on something I'd like to hear you guys talk about. Camping. I love camping. Explanation mark, explanation mark, explanation mark. Okay, I reckon we could go without that that level of... We'd love to start camping as a fam and own a tent and that's it. Love to know the bare essentials you need to get going and your best tips for a successful family camping trip. What do you think? What do you think? <laughs> what do I think? I think that I love camping. Yeah. Uh, I, I, it's one of my favourite kind of family getaways we were booked to go camping a couple of weeks ago and we got completely rained out so we've got yeah, a camping so. trip hanging over our head at the moment i'm very much looking forward to going like away. the clouds are at the exactly. moment exactly it's been like the wettest march in yeah. sydney forever i feel before you get into answering okay. this question i feel that collectively we're we are novice campers okay just because we haven't camped a lot in the past couple of years i yeah, know we that's did true. did Previously, uh, even when the kids were young, we used to. No, really little. And yeah. before that, we did uh, before the kids as well. I just think, yeah, times may have changed a little bit. Have we? we uh, this is interesting, and one that I'll add to this question, and then get you to answer it as well. Have we camped slow? I think that's what is camping is. I think that's uh, that's what you do. You know, well, actually, you know, that really depends. You can camp in like a a holiday park or a caravan park or something like that. And that's not to say it's not slow, uh, but, you know, you have in most of those places, uh, you know, hot like shower blocks and toilet blocks and maybe camp kitchens and things like that. So you don't necessarily need to bring all of the equipment that you need to survive for a few days. When we go camping in national parks, which is my favourite thing to do, it's quite different. They usually just have very rudimentary facilities. So the place that we go up north is... What's it got? It's got uh, a, like a pit toilet and that's about it. Like a, a, a shower block but no showers. You need to bring your own kind of shower bag. It's got running water. Yeah, but not drinkable. No. Um, so, yeah, it's like very quite rudimentary. It's just a big kind of open paddock in a, in a national park. And I think that 
for me that the, the tendency to camp like that is more slow approach you have to be really mindful with everything that you bring so otherwise you could pack everything thinking that you might you might need it because you know that there's not going to be anything there but I think it really forces you to pay close attention to what you need and how you use it and what you actually need as opposed to what you think you need yeah but I think to go back to to Shani's question in terms of tips I think there's a few things you can do to make it kind of a, a smoother transition into camping and the first thing is to manage everyone's expectations mm. because, you know, it can be a bit confronting, particularly if you've got people in your family who don't necessarily love the idea of going without modern conveniences like a toilet or a shower even. Uh, you know, so manage people's expectations or kind of, uh, you know, wade into it more than jump headfirst into outback kind of camping. Possibly go to a caravan park where you've got a few of those those conveniences or even try camping in your backyard if you've got the space. We've done that a few times mm. uh, and it's just fun. You know, you get the, the feel of sleeping outside. You understand how to set up your tent. You figure out whether your bed situation is comfortable or not without being, you know, in the middle of nowhere and maybe four or five days of camping ahead of you. So that's probably something you can do, particularly if you've got little kids. You can kind of test out their, I don't know, their, 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 their resilience to it and their, you know, comfort level adaptability to it exactly camping in the backyard is also important when you're camping and it rains because you've <laughs> got to come home and you've got to put your tent up and it's another excuse to sleep in it for another night that's true so it extends the camping and you're not always left or ending the camping trip on a uh, a wet note exactly so but i will say that if you've tried maybe a few nights at either somewhere that's close to home or somewhere that's got a few of the conveniences then definitely try national park camping. It it does take a little bit more preparation, I guess, uh, you know, but by preparation, I mean, you just need to bring water with you, maybe like one of those showers, like solar shower bags, which means that you just, you know, put your bore water or tap water in there and the sun heats the water up over the day. You get a hot shower at the end of the day. Um, of course, if you're only going for two nights or something, you don't need that even at all. But if you're going for a week, maybe something like that. And that's really, that plus maybe, I don't know, some light, like a gas lantern and uh, obviously all your food and ice and that sort of stuff. But yeah, National Park camping, you don't need a huge amount more than any other kind of camping. Uh, you just need to think it through, which I guess is what I love. The, one of the most things, one of the things I love the most about camping is you really do have to be intentional with, with what you're doing. And I, I'd suggest definitely over time starting to, you know, either borrow or buy or source uh, multi-use items. So we've got a, a box, just one plastic kind of tub with a lid in the shed that has all of our camping gear in it. Um, and by that I mean camping plates and uh, mugs, uh, bowls, a couple of knives, some cutlery, a bucket, you know, for washing up and dishwashing liquid, all, that, all the stuff that you absolutely need. It means that we don't have to go around and pack that every time we want to go camping. Uh, I, that, that's probably just quite a helpful tip. I'll, I'll put a list of the stuff that we've got in that box on the blog as well if you wanted to go to uh, slowyourhome.com slash 147. It's 147, isn't it? It is. It is 147. Well done. Uh, yeah, but I think other than that, I highly recommend it. I love it. I love the quiet. I love the stars. I love sitting by a campfire. I love 
waking up and going to bed and waking up with the sun. You know, that's one of the things that we liked about Japan, actually. We felt like we really did like, rise with the, camping, with the sun. Yeah. It? And you had your, your set shower hours and all that kind of stuff. Mm. So, uh, it's yeah, and it's such a, a bonus if you can go somewhere that doesn't have Wi-Fi. It's really nice. Yeah, it is beautiful. So, Shani, to answer your question, the bare essentials, as far as I'm concerned, is a, is a tent, some sort of fuel, whether it's wood or gas, and... Bedding. Yeah, like a mattress, like a, a blow-up mattress or a... I don't know, they have these new fandangled ones as well that... Okay, which, Grandpa. Which are actually not new at all. It's been a while since we bought anything like that. A foam one uh, that does really well, especially for kids. Yeah, but borrow. Works. I mean, if you can, yeah, borrow, totally borrow. From, from friends and family it for is. the first yeah. few trips because totally. you don't want to go no. spending money on stuff that you may not like or may not work for you. That's the biggest tip, I think. Borrow everything for your first camping adventure. Yeah. And then you want somewhere to sit, like a fold-out table or something nah, like sit that. sit on the floor. You know what else is really essential? Pack of cards. Yes, yes, a deck of cards for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I agree, <laughs> I agree with that a lot. But let us know. If you go camping, let us know because it's, uh, it's tops. The next question is from Anne. And Anne writes, I am a fairly new to this slow living journey. My partner likes the philosophy and enjoys the lifestyle with me. But I have eliminated the use of mobile phones to necessity only and don't like him using his phone all the time for social media. We have had big arguments about his phone use. I don't want him to be cut off from his friends. I want him to be able to be contactable. But how do we navigate that situation when he almost seems addicted to having his phone Mm. buzzing? Thanks for any advice and help with this. It's a huge question, I think, one of, you know, dependency or, or I don't want to use the word addiction because I don't know Anne's husband, but, um, to, but to that dependency on, on the buzz, you know, on the, on the constant notifications. It's, it's an addiction. Well, it can be. Yeah, it absolutely can be. Uh, and it's, it's tied, they've discovered, to like the dopamine. I think it's the dopamine hit. I'm, apologies if I get the the hormone wrong, but that we get when we see a notification or we get a text message or we see, like we hear that ping from an email, our brains think, oh, someone wants us. Like I'm wanted, I'm important. And we, we, we genuinely get addicted to the rush of that. So that's why, you know, if you see your, if you've got Facebook notifications or something like that on your phone, you see that little red circle, you are so compelled to click on it because mm. we don't want to miss out. We want to be wanted. We want to be, you know, relevant. And I think that there's a huge number of people who have have been or continue to battle that. Mm. Uh, you know, so I think the fact that... That's it, isn't it? This is, it's an epidemic, really. Like, and you're not alone in this. A whole generation of people are going through the exact same thing. And, you know, I think it was uh, Jonathan Fields said something that has stuck with me when I interviewed him at the end of last year. He said there, there are geniuses behind the design of these smartphone apps. Like their job yeah, is to get you to continue to engage with their app. Like that's their job. That's their one job. All they want you to do is continue to click on the Facebook or the Instagram app and flick through it. Like it's designed to get you in, you know, so we're kind of up against it. And I think that maybe in that understanding is also the way forward. Once we become aware of the fact that we're kind of getting played by these apps, we can start to do something about it. 
because I, I, I completely understand the desire to be contactable and, you know, in amongst things and, and stay informed. But I think at some point it becomes problematic, you know, when we can't switch off and, and be engaged or informed or connected in a different way. Could I just add something here? Yes, you may. I feel like social media, and it sounds like it's social media. I mean, does Anne say yes, she but for d- yeah. social media. And social media is a game. It's not real life. It's, it's like the ultimate gamification of, of our lives. Mm. And the way that I think, like, and I'm talking purely from a male's perspective here. Well, you're talking from your perspective. Okay. Fantastic. Even better. Let me talk. Not from half the population of the world, but just from Ben McKellen. Very generous of you. Good point. Thank you. Um, Make it a game. Make it a game to try and do an experiment with your husband. Say that, you know, you've obviously spoken about this and really be opened with him and say, look, you know, let's try and connect with each other before we start connecting with other people on social media, let's put our phones down, let's do an experiment for a week, a day, a month, I don't know, for, for our, however long you want to do, and make it something like between the hours of X and Y, don't use social media or don't use social media at all for a period of time. But make it a game because I feel like if I I, I always like to be challenged and mm. that's why the experiments I think really worked last year for mm-hmm. me is because... If you said to me at the start of last year, you're going to do meditation and yoga and random acts of kindness, I'm like, yeah, right. Like, there's no way I'll be able to stick to some of these. Mm. Stuff. And look, some of them I didn't. But the ones that I did, I'm still amazed that I did yoga every day. But because it was sort of like an experiment slash game slash challenge, you know, that's the way, that's, the, that's my buy-in. Mm. So it's about creating that sort of buy-in with your husband, mm. I think, that... Well, for me, that would really work. I agree with you that experiments Mm. are probably the way to go. I mean, Mm. if you, Anne, could talk to your husband about, uh, yeah, and make it playful, Yeah, you know. It's all got to be lighthearted. Yeah. Yeah. Not like I bet you that I'm, you know. Nothing's on the line for it. (laughs) No, no, exactly. But make it playful. And and I think so an experiment paired with boundaries is a really nice way to go because you're not maybe not saying none at all, but saying can we commit together to trying this and just see. Like, let's just see what happens yeah. if Screen we have two weeks. bedrooms yeah. is like a great starter. Yeah. And then maybe having and a good. place that, that phones live yeah. yeah, when you're at home. Yeah. So for us typically, doesn't always happen, for us typically that's, uh, that's either the kitchen bench, like the corner of the kitchen bench, or we've got a table near the entry of our house. Yeah. Typically, that's where our phones live. Yeah. And, and you kind of have to go to that spot to check your whatever when you're off duty. Hmm. And I think that having those kind of boundaries really helps because you start to think about your behavior and how often you find yourself standing there or how long you find yourself standing there for scrolling through Instagram. Uh, you know, and so that goes back to my original point of from that awareness comes the solution, I think. And when you start to be aware of what's going on and how much time it's taking or how much uh, you know, effort or energy or how many arguments you're having because of it, it's really hmm. uh, you know, in, in it's incredibly powerful, I guess, mm. to then turn around and start to act differently as a yeah. result of that. It's a really good point, that situational thing too, because like, for example, our couch, like we've tried to get rid of 
when we sit down mm. on the couch, we don't have our phones with us. You're looking at me because I was guilty in the last week of, of doing that. But it starts to feel really uncomfortable once you, once you start doing it as having a phone on the couch. You're like, oh, this doesn't seem right. It doesn't feel right. Mm. You know, you're there to talk or have happy days or watch a movie with the kids. You know, like you're there for another purpose. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, I think I, I really, think I really like that idea. Tying tying phone use to a space, yes, can help. That's it. So maybe try that as mm. well. But I do, I do kind of. You're not a, a huge social media user, and I want to go back to something that you said before, which was that it's not real life. And I, I understand where you're coming from, but I do know that so many people find real connection on social media, which can be part of the reason that they find it so difficult to to withdraw. So in that instance. I'd kind of try and look at ways to increase in-person mm. connection. Mm. Just kind of crowd out the the bad with the good, kind of like a, in terms of, you know, changing your diet. You don't have to say, I'm not going on Facebook ever again, but instead maybe we can invite our friends around for dinner and, you know, spend time with them that way and try and crowd out some of the the online, you know, connection as, as deep or as shallow as it is with in-person connection, I think. Maybe that might be a good place to start. Um, but it's, I mean, it's its not easy when you're in different places to your partner, I think. So, I, I mean, I think it's awesome that Anne's asking the question and, and doesn't want it to impact on her relationship anymore. Janie writes in, I've simplified many aspects of my life over the past few years. My biggest struggle now is making the correct purchases when I absolutely have to replace something that's worn. I question every purpose and have to be 100% sure I need the item before I decide to buy. Mm -hmm. Then the fun really begins (laughs) as I find it soul-destroying trying to make the right choice to align with my values. There's often not a perfect product that is ethical, sustainable, cruelty-free and remotely affordable, so I go around and around in circles and worry constantly about making the right choice. Sometimes this feels far from simple. Any thoughts, Brooke McCallery? Amen, Janie. Mm. You've you've nailed it. It's it is actually far from simple sometimes to make those kind of changes. And I remember talking to Mel Tuali from Fashion Revolution a few months ago about this exact thing. I said, you know, you you start to think about ethical fashion, for example, and you're like, right, uh, you know, maybe we want to look at something that's organic and fair trade and uh, and cruelty free. Uh, and locally made and, 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 (laughs) and those products don't actually exist. Like there's very few products that tick every single box. So Mel's suggestion, and it's one that I think is really practical and accessible is to pick the things that are important to you. So that might be people, you know, it might, it might be fair trade or it might be organics or it might be a combination of those two things. Use that as your guiding kind of your, your guidelines on what products to buy. You're, you're probably not going to feel 100% great about any of them because they're not ticking all those boxes. But you know what? I think that's actually really good. I think it's really good when we feel a distinct discomfort in buying things because that makes us really consider mm. whether we need it or not. Yeah. And you know what? Sometimes we do need it and that's unavoidable. So I just really suggest picking the, the, the two or three elements to, to ethical or sustainable or, or you know, slow that are the most important to you and start there. And the other thing is to start talking to the brands that you want to support and asking if they've considered changing to uh, organic cotton or to fair trade certification and start those conversations because I really have seen 
And look, it could be confirmation bias because I'm starting to talk to more people about it, but I have seen a shift mm. in the conversation about, you know, ethical production and manufacturing and, mm. and that kind of thing. And while I don't think that should be an excuse for us to free for all go buy stuff we don't need just because it's ethical, uh, I do think that brands are more open to having a conversation mm. about ethics now. Do you know what I walked past? This is going on from our last um, episode with, with um, Dane, Dane mm -hmm. O'Shaughnessy from Patagonia. And I walked past a competitor to Patagonia and noticed that they were doing something very, very similar to the equivalent of like the 1% mm -hmm. um, pledge that Patagonia do. So That's awesome. It's it's like this, like these companies are pulling the rest of the industry along, yeah. like kicking and stream, screaming yeah. along with them. But if we support, if we do support those organisations doing things that we can get behind, then you're going to see, you know, being a capitalist kind of market driven economy, that other brands are going to start paying attention whether they want to or not, mm -hmm. you know, and I think, uh, you know, I think that there's something good in that. I also think that there's potentially something bad in that but mm, yeah. <laughs> but i think to go back to janie's question first of all amazing and awesome that you've recognized how uncomfortable you feel because i think we should you know yeah. i really think we should uh and secondly you know don't run yourself ragged trying to find the perfect product because it probably doesn't exist no and janie Reading your question, I thought it was seriously written by Brooke. Yeah, like, totally. It was exactly totally. Like I've been there you... so yeah. many times. Yeah. And that's how I feel about pretty much everything yeah. um, that, I, that we ever kind of bring into the house. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a quick fire question for you. Okay. From Erin. How have you dealt with people who don't like the way you've changed your life, <laughs> especially family? Was this quick... was the question that I was talking about at the, Got you. At the top of the episode. It's a quickfire question. It's probably not going to be a quickfire answer. <laughs> well, actually, you know what? It can be. You know, it can be. It can, yeah. it can absolutely be a quickfire yeah. answer because uh, it's not their life. Hmm. You know, you're making those changes for a very good reason and it makes sense to you and your people and it doesn't have to make sense to anyone else. You know, and I think that there's a certain level of not necessarily keeping up with the Joneses in that kind of thing, but like living with expectations and shoulds and what we should be doing and what success should look like and what a house should be furnished with and all that stuff. If we learn to let go of those external shoulds, I think over time we also grow in confidence in our own choices, mm. which means that we can turn around and say to family, oh, I, I understand that, you know, maybe, for example, tiny house living isn't, isn't for everyone, but this is why it works for us. And you've got your reasons and you, no one can, can argue with you saying, this is why it works for us. Like they can't, they can't say you're wrong because it's working for you. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you've chosen to do it mm -hmm. and it, it's something that, that you've thought about, you're intentional about it. So, I mean, it really is quite a, a quick answer. I mean, it doesn't take into any consideration, to con into consideration any of the, the complexities of people who may be more vocal about it like a lot of people won't go oh okay fine mm. and never talk about it again you know we we often talk to people who have to deal with family members or friends who hear about <laughs> i remember i'm a member of a, a facebook group and a woman posted to her personal facebook profile mm. the inside of her daughter's wardrobe yes. which she just recently decluttered and she was so proud of it mm. that she posted a photo to her facebook Great. profile 
A member of her family saw that and immediately sent her a huge parcel of brand new clothes for her daughter because she felt bad for her daughter. No way. So that kind of stuff is really tough. Like I haven't had to deal with that. You know, so I don't have any specific advice on how to deal with that. And, and to be fair, Erin isn't asking that question either. Yeah. But, but there, there will always be complications like that. And I think being able to have a reason why, and that's tapping back into your why, and, you know, that's something we're going to be talking about over the next few episodes on a Monday. But having that why to turn around and say to people, well, this is why, this is what we're trying to do, is a good place to start. It's a good place to start being confident in your choices and and being able to back up those decisions that you're making. Yeah, I don't know. Just (laughs) why are you grinning? Let me give you an example of of something like this. So it wasn't family, but it's people, person that I know, started to really question my motivation behind simple living and, you know, sort of said, yeah, it makes sense for Brooke, but. I can never see you, Ben, doing that. Really, do you do that? Like, really started to question and, mm. and sort of... Give you a hard time. Yeah, give me a hard time about it. And what I did was I just let them talk. Let, let them talk themselves what they thought was the reality. I basically said, well, if that's your opinion, that's your opinion. Because you're never going to change them no. thinking the way they are. And they're only thinking that because they could see the benefit what do you mean? I, I really believe that, that people are only going to criticise you for and, you know, don't like. That's what the term that Aaron likes. So basically is like it's it's opposite to what they're, the way they're living. You, because, you mean because people feel like but you living the way you're living is yeah. a judgment on them? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So by them seeing the way that you're living, it's it puts a mirror up to their own lives and mm. they're like, oh, wow, that's totally different to the way I'm living my yeah. life. They're saying that that's the way is better and it's opposite to me. What do they think of me? Mm. So I'll have a go at them. Yeah, it's interesting because, I mean, I think you're right. When when Erin said who people who don't like, don't like. the way that's you're the living. Key. See, yeah. it's not someone who's like, hey, that's cool. You, no. you've, you've approached minimalism. It's I'm like, a maximalist. Like exactly. I live in a gallery and I love it. Exactly. That's tops. Yeah. There is no one right yeah. way. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it, I like that you've tap, like, tapped into where Erin has said people who don't, don't like, like it. Yeah. And I think... In many instances, that is like a, a defensiveness. Yeah, so it rather t- than... It comes from a deep place of insecurity, mm. as far as I'm concerned. And mm. you never can really change people. Well, you can't change people's opinion. You know, you, you can't say actually that, physically you know, change it. your opinion. That's fantastic. You can but lead I don't, people. I don't, I don't agree with you and mm. I don't hold that opinion. Mm. And, uh, and get the uh, boxing gloves out <laughs> and wait for, you know, Christmas time when... <laughs> You're all sitting around the Christmas table and where everyone has arguments around the Christmas, the turkey. Yeah. Isn't that a thing? Well, turkey's not a thing in Australia. No. Around the prawns. Around the shrimp. We don't have shrimp. (laughs) All right. We've got time for one more question. Okay. This question is from Kerry. How do you keep that sense of slowness from a holidays to term? As in, so what? School term. School term. So this is... We are actually coming up to the end of term one Mm -hmm. and we'll have a two and a half week, almost three week break this year because of the way that Easter falls and Anzac Day. So do you find that in the terms of the the barometer of slowness, Mm. 
Are we more slow during the holidays or during the school term? During the holidays. Now, Kerry specifically asked this just after we'd come back from Japan. Oh, uh, okay. So, right. Um, okay, that's, so this, that, yeah. She okay. was particularly looking yeah. at like a vacation, sure. you know, rather than school holidays. But I think the same can kind of apply, even though it's a little different. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, we definitely are slower in the school holidays. It is more complex. We both work at home. Mm. Uh, and it can be stressful on days where we want to spend time with the kids, they want to spend time with us, but we also need to juggle our workload. We're now much better at kind of front-loading our work in the weeks leading mm. up to school holidays, mm. so we have minimal work to do during the holidays, but not everyone has that ability. No. Most people don't have that ability. You no. know, um, A lot of people take their own holiday time just so they can spend a week with the kids, and um, which is wonderful to be able to do that. But I think... Rather than like kind of judge your term time based on your holiday experience, start to look at maybe little things you can do to pull that you that you do on holidays that you can pull into your term time. So for us, it's a little tradition that we do called happy days. We do it mm-hmm. on weekend afternoons, most Friday afternoons as well. We just sit outside. We each have a drink and maybe we share some chips or some cheese or something like that. And we just sit and chat we usually listen to music and music is almost always tied to our holidays mm. um and tell stories tell reminisce stories. yeah i mean it's we like it's it's nothing it's not it's not like it's a structure thing no it's, we just it's, we make time for no, that yeah and that is something that we do on holidays you know when we're in japan we do happy days like most afternoons mm. around the fire mm. uh, at the lodge so that is something that we pull into our every day uh, that is, you know, it's kind of reminds us of holiday time. And I think that's a really nice thing to do. Similarly, just doing things like going for a drive or going to the beach or sitting outside, you know, in your backyard. Like the other day, I um, sat down in the bottom of our backyard under our big jacaranda tree and read a book. You were so content there, weren't you? I was so happy. Yeah. I thought I was happy and I fell asleep. And then the dog woke me up by jumping on me. But, yeah. You know, that like that's the sort of stuff that, that, fits into our holidays like i will read a lot i'll doze i'll you know Mm. just chill out so to be able to do that just on a random saturday afternoon or sunday afternoon or whatever it was for you to say that like the brook of like five years ago i would never have done that 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 action you like out in the backyard being able to read a book Mm. under a tree Mm. and fall asleep like that is something that i would have you if you told me that you did that five years ago i'd go who are you? Yeah, like it just really interesting though, it. because Brooke of five years ago would have wanted to do it. I have a very distinct memory of a friend of ours saying, "Oh yeah, we just had a pretty lazy afternoon. We had housework to do, but we didn't do it." And I went down to the backyard and I laid down on the grass and I fell asleep. And when he said that, I was filled with envy, mm. like real bitter envy, because I desperately wanted to be able to do that. But I didn't think I could because mm. I had so many things that I had to do. Like I needed to do all these things. Those things haven't all disappeared. I could have been doing, I don't know, the ironing. I could have been doing heaps of things. But I chose to sit down in the backyard and read a book. You know, And I think that's probably, along with some of the practicalities, sure, but that's been the biggest change. I've just chosen to do it. I've chosen to make time for it. The other stuff will wait. Like it, it's fine. You know, so it's really interesting to me that, yep, Brooker five years ago desperately wanted to do it. Mm. Now I do it, you know, not all the time, of course, because then I wouldn't get anything done. But you know what I mean? Like now I make time to do those things and it's so important. 
So, I mean, guess going, uh, going back to, to Kerry's question, I think it's trying to find those little holiday rituals or those little holiday activities that you found so fulfilling or enjoyable and just making space for them at home. For us, sometimes that's just as simple as playing a game of cards with the kids too. Mm. And, you know, it could be something as simple as, as playing a game of cards with the kids too. On holidays, we do that, you know, not every day, but we do it pretty regularly and it's fun. You know, it takes half an hour and, and it's, it's, I don't know, there's a, there's a real, I don't know if that's just for me, but like there's a beach holiday feeling to sitting down and, totally. and playing a, yeah. a game of cards with the kids, even if it's a rainy winter's day mm. uh, and going for little walks and all that kind of stuff, you know, eating outside, going and grabbing fish and chips and sitting in the park, you know, they don't need to be kind of big or extravagant, but I think it's just making space for those, those little pockets I th- yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Yep. I hope that helps, Kerry. And, but in saying that, we've we've planned for this upcoming holiday like four weeks ago, like trying to you at the school holiday. Yeah, like yes. trying to think and and be mindful about how we'll be on that. Because look, last year was our first year of self employment, and school yeah, holidays it was were crazy. tough. We just didn't we oh. didn't ever plan ahead enough no. to no. benefit from the fact that we were both at home. Exactly. Uh, you know, it's one of the big benefits of being self-employed for us mm. was that most days, most like most days, both of us are home. Mm. It's very rare that that both of us are ever you know in the city or anything at the same time, and that's a huge benefit mm. to being self-employed. But we just didn't take advantage of it because we didn't plan ahead. Yeah, so you're right. We've been you know we kind of from halfway through the term we start planning ahead for the school holidays in terms of how we can get our work done in a way that means that we're not working kind of full-time hours while the kids are home. Mm. I'm looking forward to it. Same. <laughs> well, hopefully, you know, we've, we've given those questions a good nudge. I think we have. Yeah. I think we've done very well. Head over to the blog, though, for the specifics of the camping list that I mentioned for Shani. Um, you know, and if you also have any tips for camping, please feel free to share them because mm. I'm, like Ben said, we're by no means experts. Uh, you know, and there's probably a few things that we could change in our um, approach to camping now that the kids are a bit older. But yeah, yeah, please feel free to share your camping tips because I think it's one of the most relaxing ways to to get away. I know not everyone will agree with me. Ben's yeah. mum, for example, does no, not agree with no, me. Never, never. <laughs> Challenge yourself to go camping with the with the minimalist equipment yeah. possible. Like and, that's borrow, and borrow everything and else. Borrow, yeah, borrow exactly. Everything. Yeah. But in the meantime, before we go, let's just give a quick shout out. We're, uh, this comes out on the 29th or 30th? 30th. 30th. So that's only a couple of days away from the Castaway Awards. Now, the Castaway Awards is Australia's first podcasting awards. Mm-hmm. And one of the Jackrabbit FM shows has been nominated and is a fine well, yeah. All of the Jackrabbit FM shows were nominated but one of them is a finalist in the health and lifestyle uh, section mm-hmm, and that is undercover architect yep, get it right uh so amelia lee i interviewed a few weeks ago on the show she spoke specifically about slow home design as an architect and her podcast is nominated and i'm very excited yeah, for her congratulations yeah. amelia that's a huge it's achievement awesome. it's and congratulations awesome. jackrabbit fm thanks he's <laughs> trying to be a rabbit <laughs> So, uh, yeah, well, best of luck for this on the 1st of April. We'll know whether she 
she wins the top gong. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't already, and if you're interested, go and subscribe to her her uh, her podcast. Particularly if you're thinking about renovating or building in, in you know any time in the near future. Yeah, or just improving your home yeah. as well. Really, she talks about you know flow and and orientation and looking at different ways to to maximize the use of your home. Yeah, so. it's almost like the complementary show to this podcast. It is. It's it's the mechanics of the actual slow home. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so much of what she talks about. Rather than about, the things that are in it, it's the makeup of it. Yeah. How do you, how do you yeah. create a home, a house, a, you know, a, an abode yeah. that, that is slow? Yeah. And go and check it out. And in the meantime, have a good week. Great. Yes. Have a great week. <laughs>